0: Surprise, I'm still here. All right. <laughs> hey, thank you so much, Venture Church, for uh, praying for us. Uh, we really need your prayers and your support, and uh, you are having an impact around the world. I, I, I really mean that, and the growth has been phenomenal. So this morning, we want to welcome everyone that's watching us on Facebook Live. And you know that now you can not only go to uh, Facebook, but you can also go to our YouTube channel, and you can go to our website, and watch the uh, message live on our website as well. So that, that is awesome. So we are in the um, series, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Times. And I don't know about you, but I've been so blessed by this series. I mean, so many practical uh, truths that Pastor Tim has been bringing out of the book of Proverbs I think it's a series that we should put out on like a right now media or something like that because, you know, I hate it. Sometimes there's series or messages you say we hear it, we watch it, you know, once and then we forget about it. I think this is a series that's highly practical and I hope a lot of people, you know, take advantage of it. It has been a, a blessing to me. And so when we're looking at the book of Proverbs, it's a highly practical book. You know, it, it contains about uh, hundreds of proverbs that were written by uh, the uh, Solomon, and uh, they have to do with just not laws but practicality things that, if you follow the teaching, this is usually the way life goes. Not it's not a law that's always going to happen. For example, if you look at Proverb 17:9, it says, "He who covers over an offense promotes love, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends." Isn't that true? One of my favorite Proverbs is Proverbs 51. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. That is true. I've seen that many times. So this morning I want to talk to you about subtraction and addition. Now we're not going to have a math class this morning, okay? But what I want to tell you is that often God is in the process of removing or eliminating things from your life, and then he wants to add new things to you. The key verse for us for our our meditation is Psalm, is Proverbs 17, 3. And it says the following, The crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. Now, the fact is that life is going to test you in many ways. You know, teachers in school will test you to see if you're going to pass the course or not. People are going to test your patience. Adversity is going to test your resolve. But this morning, I want to talk to you about how the Lord test us now when i was very young very young i went to a used car dealer and i bought a car and uh i immediately took it to my mechanic and my mechanic put up the hood he started to listen around uh, the engine and he said boy this engine is about to explode you better take it back and i said what and i that's what i did i took it back to the dealer and after hours of renegotiation we traded that car for another one And that's another story, okay? But, you know, I should have taken my mechanic the first time because when you buy a used car, you want to make sure that it's going to be productive and it's going to help you and it's going to last for a long time. Well, Proverbs 17.3 says, The crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. So what in the world does it mean that God tests the hearts? How does he test our hearts? And what is God after when he is testing you and me. So we need God's wisdom and God's help this morning. So let's go to him in prayer. Father, we thank you for your love and we thank you for this for your presence here this morning. And Lord, we give you all the praise. We recognize Jesus, your death on the cross is what made possible our salvation. So we praise you. And we invite you into this time of the message and we ask you a blessing. God speak to our hearts in Jesus name we pray. Amen repeatedly the bible talks about how god tests us in psalm 66:10 it says for you god tested us you refined us like silver in jeremiah 17:10 it says i the lord search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct according to what their deeds deserve in jeremiah chapter 20 verse 12 it says of the Lord, you who would examine the righteous and probe the heart and mind. In 1 Chronicles 29, 17, in the context of David and the people having given generously for the building of the first temple in Jerusalem, David exclaimed, I know my God that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. Now, this idea of testing is not popular today because when you talk about testing a heart or test a life, people... Uh, you know, they react against that because it usually means there's something wrong with me, something wrong with my lifestyle, or wrong with the way I think or the way that I act. And today there's a growing movement even among what we would call progressive churches to embrace any kind of lifestyle or choice, any kind of sexual expression, and to preach only a God of love, not a God who judges whether the lifestyle or the pattern of your life is right or wrong. And many churches today are pursuing a justice that they interpret is what the gospel is, justice for the poor or what they would say the marginalized, but that doesn't encapsulate the whole truth of the gospel. We need to preach the whole truth, the, the, the whole gospel to the whole person. And in his book, The Church in Babylon, Erwin Lutzer, who was a pastor for many years in Moody Church in Chicago, he wrote this, Today, many preachers say that God loves you unconditionally, and God loves you just as you are. Well, here's the, person, here's the problem today in the context of the culture in which we live. When the person listens to that, what he is listening is that I can continue to sleep around. I can continue to love my addiction, and you put in whatever sin or habit that you want to put in, and I am pleasing to the Lord because of Jesus. And in other words, says Lutzer, Unconditional love is interpreted as unconditional acceptance of one's lifestyle. But you know what the Bible says? There is a way that seems right to the man, but at the end it's a way of what? Of death. But the Bible tells us that God tests the hearts of his children, not for approval or acceptance through performance, but for growth and maturity. So when, I, when we talk about testing for God's children... Those who have come to faith in Christ, we're not talking about a judgment of condemnation. We're saying that God is testing us not not for us to earn our salvation, but to do something in us to bring out maturity and growth in our lives. In Matthew 5, 27 through 28, Jesus spoke about testing or knowing what was in the heart of man when he said, you have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery, But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So when referring to children of God through faith in Christ alone, testing has to do with the maturing process, the growing in Christ, which all of us are part of. In 1 Thessalonica 2.4, Paul is writing to this church in Greece about his ministry, and he says to them, we are not trying to please men, but God who what? Test our hearts. And bringing us to maturity is not only about us, but it's about other people who look at our lives. In First Peter 1 or 2, verses 11 and 12, it says, Dear friends, I urge you. He's talking to Christians. I urge you as foreigners and exiles. Why? Because family of God We are not of this world. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. We are Christians waiting for a future world, right? And so he addresses us as foreigners and exiles that we are to abstain from sinful desires, which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day that he visits us. And as never before, the world needs to notice the difference in the life of God's people. They need to see our love. They need to see our peace. They need to see that we can have joy in a chaotic moment that we live in history. There could be peace and joy and trust, but also truth and conviction. Conviction about what God teaches. So why is all this important? Well... If we return to the context or the text, 17.3 in Proverbs, it says the crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. Now, the word that's used there has to do with the process of taking a metal to smelt it, refine it, or test it. So what God is trying to communicate to us is that he's going to purify us from dross, Bring forth the good that is in us and purge us from earthly infirmities and weaknesses so that the crucible or the refining pot or the furnace is both subtracted something or adding something to that metal. It subtracts or removes the dross and impurity, impurity, therefore adding or revealing the value that was already there in that metal. It's like you in Christ. Your identity is found in Christ. You are a new person in Jesus Christ. But God wants to bring out what's inside of you and me already in Christ. So why does God test us? Well, God tests us for many reasons. But first, I think God tests the hearts of his children to remove something. And let's call these impurities and weaknesses in each one of us. Through testing, God is actively working to remove what remains in each of us of the flesh. You know, you are in Christ, you're not in the flesh, but sometimes the flesh comes out and we walk according to the flesh. Often there's self centeredness. I know there's self centeredness in my life. Sometimes there's worldliness in our lives as Christians. There's a sense of self-preservation. If God is calling me there, I'm not going to go. There's no way I'm going to trust God for that. There's my agenda syndrome. I know, God, what you want to do, but I'm really wanting to do this. Things that get in the way of God wanting to do in each one of us in our lives for kingdom service. Then God tests the hearts of his children to add or increase something. And let's call that holiness and impact holiness and impact. I mean, Sean was just talking about that as we worship the Lord in the Lord's Supper. We are holy before God. He sees us as holy, but we're called to be holy in the way that we live our lives. And often it is through testing that God heals us of worldliness and self preservation and attitudes that we have towards people that do not glorify the Lord. He's moving to subtract or eliminate something from your life in order to increase purpose and usefulness and impact and productivity in your life for His kingdom. And the truth of the matter, let me me say this, the truth of the matter is that if you think and reflect carefully this morning, God has been working in your life in the last few weeks or months to eliminate something or to add something. God has been speaking to you about removing certain things from your life in order to add something new in your life. So the question is, what is He eliminating in your life? What is He wanting to add to your life? Through testing, then, God is increasing your usefulness for Him for His glory. And isn't that what? Being a Christian is to live our lives unto God for his use, to confess our need of him, to ask God to search our hearts, to continue to eliminate those things that do not glorify him and form obstacles in our walk with him and our use in God's kingdom. You know, as I look 40 years plus in my life as a Christian, There's a lot of things that God has been eliminating throughout these years. And I wish I can tell you that the refining process is over, but I would be lying to you. God is still working. There's still weaknesses. There's still things that do not resemble the image of God, which is in me, but sometimes is hidden, okay? And sometimes through physical and emotional pain, and suffering that God has allowed into my life. God has been removing self centeredness, sometimes fear, and much Christian immaturity in me fear of death, fear of being alone, a tendency to want to control all of life. He's replaced those things with trust, dependence, a certain kind of boldness. And trust and love for people where God says, go, and I'm willing to go. But that's taken years to bring me to where I am today. Why? Because God loves me. And he wants to bring out the image of God in a tangible way in my life. So as the gold and the silver, he has to put pressure and test me and examine my heart so that I can be released of some things in my life that have held me down so new things that glorify God will flourish in my life. You see, when God removes impurities, He is more revealed in your life. When God removes impurities, He adds productivity, usefulness, impact in your life, and He is glorified. So what does it mean that God tests our hearts? As his children. Let me give you a very simple definition. To test the heart is to reveal or expose what we truly believe and live for, what we love and long for, so as to conform the pattern of our lives to God's will and purposes. Now, what is it that we're attached to? What are we holding on to? What attitudes or maybe false beliefs do we hold that God wants to strip you from? And as we look at the context of Proverbs 17:3, which would be the whole book of Proverbs, when God is testing our hearts, He wants to earth in you the things that He has been emphasizing throughout the book. And so what has He been emphasizing? Wisdom? To be wise in your choices? righteousness in your life. He contrasts righteousness with wickedness over and over throughout this book. The fear of the Lord, which is to be in awe and respect God and honor God for who he is. He is the creator. You are the creature. And in Proverbs 1.7, he begins with this exhortation. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Here's another one. He calls young men to sexual purity in Proverbs 5, 6, and 7. Now, I don't have any boys, but I have two grandchildren. And when they are of age, unless Jake, my son-in-law, gets to them first, I want to teach them Proverbs 5, 6, and 7. Because they are to be pure and live a life that honors God with their body. He invites us to a strong and healthy work ethic in chapter 6. He says, go to the ant, you sluggard. And learn from the end how it piles up and, uh, you know, food during the summer for winter. And believers should be the best workers in the workplace. We should work with excellence. And then he invites us to submit all the areas of our lives to God in Proverbs chapter 3. To examine one's path as to make the right choices and decisions because as we learned last week, decision, not intention, determines destiny. It's not what you intend to do are the choices that you make every day. That's determine your destiny. And the comparison to the crucible and the furnace states the obvious from this passage. God's intent is to test us to conform our beliefs and that which we live and long for to his purposes for our lives. He wants to produce wisdom and righteousness and a healthy fear and submission of our lives to the Lord. And I think all of us battle in that area. Are we truly submitted to God's will? Do we long for God or do we long for other things more than God? Do I, do I seek to spend time with the Lord in his word and worship him? Or the scriptures are not really attractive to me? If they're not, if you don't long to honor the Lord daily and seek him regularly and and delight yourself in the Lord, but are delighting yourself on earthly things, well, that's an area that God has to come and work in your heart and mind. This is what Job said in, in Job chapter 23, verse 10. He says, but he knows the way that I take when he has what? Tested me, I will come forth as? Gold. And this is what Peter spoke about in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 9. Beautiful portion. He says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ In His great mercy. He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into, listen to this, he wants, to, he wants you to concentrate on what is yours into an inheritance that can never perish. It can never spoil. Your salvation can never spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is already to be revealed in the last time. Now, what's the application? In all this, in what? In the fact that there's a salvation That's secure. It's ready to be revealed for you and for me. Your future and my future is secure. It's guaranteed. We will spend eternity with God when we die, when God comes back for his church. But listen to the contrast here. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now, in the here and now, for a little while, you might have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. That's a general term that means suffering, sickness, persecution. It's a word that's used to encompass a lot of different kinds of trials and testing. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, in other words, as your faith is being tested, which is a what? Greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may result... The testing of your faith may result in praise for God, glory for God, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. And now watch this. As your faith is being tested through suffering and testing, what does God want to see in you? Though you have not seen him, you don't see him there in the trial or in the testing that you're going through, you still what? You love him. And even though you do not see him, you trust him. You believe in him. And you're filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. That's why some of our brothers and sisters in this church have been going through some physical trials. And when you talk to them, there's a deep joy. Because joy is fruit of the Spirit. And when that is manifested, God is glorified, people are encouraged. To face their battles with strength and peace and joy. For you are receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So testing is purifying, refining us so that our faith, my friends, will produce fruit. That's what God wants for you and for me. God wants you to have a faith that works. A faith that produces fruit. A faith that manifests itself in good works. Now, I do want to say two caveats quickly about testing. First, I want to state that God will never test you to do evil. Some people, you know, fall into temptation or there's stuff going on in their lives and they blame God. God's not going to test you to do evil. He's not going to do that. Why? It says in James 1:13 through 15, when tempted, no one should say, hey, God has tempted me. Why? For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and are enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. The second thing, which is very important for you to keep in mind, when God... Is working in us, His discipline, His testing is out of love and never to harm you. We don't always know when what's going on is something directly being brought to us by God or just the world and life that we are all living. I think we need to think about God in fatherly terms. God embraces us as a child, as a father embraces their child. I think when we're facing trials and adversity and testing, you need to have this mental image that God loves you, that he is with you in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the suffering, in the midst of the testing, and that he doesn't want to harm you. He is a good God. When I see Jesus and how he battled sickness sickness, in the works of the devil and demon possession, cruelty in the heart, I can't, I can't reconcile thinking of God as say, loving father directly bringing these things into our lives. Why? Because what God brings are good gifts. Satan comes to kill and to destroy and to steal. God comes to bring us life. And so when we're going through tests and think about God as a God who is embracing you, he's loving you. You're the apple of his eye. You're his child. He loves you. So the question is, is God subtracting from your life today? Is he now adding something new in your life? You know, James 1, 2 through 4 says this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith, the testing of your faith produces what? Perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work. That means embrace That That should be the response when you are going through a time of testing. It is to embrace what God is doing in your life. That's what David prayed in Psalm 26 too. Test me, O Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind. That's not an easy prayer, right? God, test me? We don't like that. How about this one? Psalm 139, 23 through 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know if there's any anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting life. I think David probably recognized that when God brings testing, it's because He's about to do something new in your life. And he said, I embrace it. Lord, look at my heart. Look at my belief system. Look at the things that I treasure, the things I long for, the things I'm holding on, maybe addictions that are forming in my life, maybe a sinful pattern, maybe things that I should be doing but I don't do, things I'm gravitating to that I shouldn't gravitate. And he just prays. He says, Lord, test my heart. Examine me. What's in my heart? What's in my mind? What's my passion? What's driving my life right now? How am I glorifying you? How am I not glorifying you? What's an area of my life I just seem not to grow in? And so God examines you. God puts a spotlight on you. Not to condemn you. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Hear me well. If you are in Christ, there is no condemnation for you. Your identity is found in Jesus Christ. You are new in Christ. You are a new creation. But sometimes we live in the flesh or according to the flesh and not according to the spirit. And God wants to mature you. And that's the That's a maturing process that, you know what, will be with you until the day you close your eyes here and open it in heaven. There will always be areas in your life that God needs to subtract from and areas in your life that he needs to begin to add. He says there in James 1, he goes on, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work. Embrace it so that you may be mature and complete, that is, fully developed, not lacking anything. So invite God's testing into your life because you want your path to be righteous and God-honoring. You want to please God, invite Him, because character is formed through testing, the character of price. I recently heard, I'm about to conclude, I recently heard a speaker say that we should live such a life That when at the end of each day we write the chapter of our life for that day, our children will be encouraged to read of the integrity displayed in their father. I love it. What a thought. Live each day, live each daily chapter of your life worthy of the Lord and for the encouragement of those who would follow and read the chapter of your life. Amazing thought. Are you being tested today? What does your conscience tell you? What does your soul tell you this morning? God's testing often keeps us in check, reveals what's in our hearts in terms of our obedience or lack of obedience, leads us to confess our sins and to submit afresh to the Lordship of Christ in every area of our lives. And sometimes God's testing is to move you from a place of comfortable and safety and move you to a new place of ministry. God is testing us. He's refining us. He's purifying us, removing infirmities and weaknesses and producing impact, productivity for his kingdom. Proverbs 17.3 says the following, The crucible for silver and the furnace for gold. But the Lord tests the heart. Is God subtracting in your life today? Or is he wanting to add something new? Let us pray. Father, this morning, the question is, will we embrace testing? That could be a scary thing for many of us here today. God, you have embraced us as your child or your children for all eternity through faith in Christ. May we today embrace your plans for our lives and the testing of our hearts. Lord, you're a heavenly father. You're a good father. And that mental image should never escape us. The father who embraces us. The father who loves us. The father who has a plan for our lives. And so, Lord, this morning, we are your people by faith in Jesus Christ. And God, maybe even today, if there's someone here that they would honestly say, I'm not sure that I am one of those that you spoke about being a child of God by faith in Christ. Lord, I pray that even now, they would turn their hearts to you in faith and in trust, recognizing that Jesus Christ died for all humanity, died for them, died for us, And that by simply placing their faith, their trust in Jesus Christ, acknowledging that their sins have made a separation, but that Jesus paid the price so that we may be forgiven and adopted to be a child of God for all eternity, that even now, oh God, they would embrace your love for them. And so God, as we leave this place this morning, may we not forget this simple concept of how you test our heart God, to either subtract, eliminate something from our lives or to add something. And God, as you do, it will be for your glory and for kingdom service. So thank you, Father. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.